Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. Bible study, and we've been uh, doing First uh, Corinthians right now, and this week we'll be in chapters eight and nine. If you're following along with us, if you're if you're online or if you're um, doing it, you can get the the uh, questions that help you study chapters eight and nine um, before we get into it. Uh, but you can get those out in the entryway. There is a ladies' brunch on May sixth at eleven a.m. Are there any ladies in the house? Oh, see, look at that. <laughs> um, so on May 6th at 11 a.m., there is a, there's a, details out there. There's a little card you can take it so you can save the dates so you know what's going on. Um, and I think there is a sign-up if you want to help bring anything. But it is, they've, uh, they did it last year, so annual now. Um, uh, shower for... Health resources, thank you. <laughs> um, and I think this year it's just bring some diapers kind of thing, and there's sizes on there, um, and those get donated to health resources, which is just uh, kitty corner to us, so basically our neighbor. Um, and uh, so if, you, uh, if you'd like to come to that, May 6th at 11 a.m., Brenna is going to present a, um, a thing on that day about that lady self-defense uh, course, and so if you uh, ladies are interested in doing that, Brenna, she's been, you know, doing all the, what are all the different things that you've done? Um, Taekwondo? Uh, mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. Kumdo, which is sword fighting. Kumdo. She does sword fighting. We did the police academy. And police academy. So she's got a plenty of training to be able to help you uh, learn some self-defense stuff. Um, I might have to show up after this weekend. I was at the Mall of America, and Lord... I have never been so freaked out in my life. If you want to hear more about that story later, come ask me. It was nuts. You can look at it online. There was a shooter in the parking lot, and boy, the inside of the mall went insane. <laughs> so <laughs> um, um, then on Wednesday, we have young adults uh, Bible study. If you're a young adult between ages 18 and 30, um, this is the Bible study they're going to be starting. It's called A Mercy in the Storm. It's a study on the book of Jonah. We have uh, the girls' version and the guys' version. So if you fit in that age range and are interested in doing Bible study on Wednesday at 5.30, um, there you go. You can see Ashley for more details. It's an amazing study. Yes, Jen has gone through the Bible study. She did it um, a while back, and she absolutely loves the, the Bible study. And actually, my wife told me things that I didn't know. So it was actually a really good Bible study, and I didn't even do it. <laughs> and I got stuff out of it. Um, uh, if you would like to help with, like, out front with plants and kind of cleaning up and kind of, like, making that look nice out there, see Jen. Jen, wave your hand. Yeah, real big and 
that's Jen. Uh, you can see her. She is going to kind of help get things in order out there and uh, make it look nice. Because once it looks nice, and I see it some... Yeah, <laughs> once the, whenever it stops snowing, once then, then we will uh, discuss what we can do out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, get into... If you are wanting notes for today, check out myhope.life forward slash sermons. There, it will open up in the YouVersion Bible app for you, or you can just go to the YouVersion Bible app and uh, look at the events and you will find uh, uh, the notes for that. But uh, let's, uh, let's get into this. So today, we have always reminded ourselves of the, we must always remind ourselves of the goodness of God. A lot of times we forget, and I believe that when we forget, we become idle Christians. So um, we have got to always remind ourselves of the goodness of God. When we face trials and we make it out, we have to remind ourselves that it wasn't me that made it out, but rather God brought me out. Because a lot of times I feel like we were like, oh, look what all that I did and what I've all accomplished. And that's, uh, it's not about what I did, but what God has done in us and through us. So in those moments, we must remind ourselves of what God has done in us and through us. It's by his grace that we are here today. So here's the focus scripture for today. It comes from 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you will know that this focus scripture comes from the daily scripture um, and some of the surrounding verses um, that came this week from YouVersion Bible. It's a great app. It'll encourage you in the middle of the day. So 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5, it says, In addition, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. This was the, the daily scripture. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. I'm so thankful that my God would strengthen me and he would guard me. So we have, in verse 4, it says, We have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. So we don't focus on the trial, we focus on our help. My help comes from the Lord, so my, my, my focus can't be the trial that I'm in, but it's got to be on the goodness of God and knowing that he is going to lead me and take me to where he wants me to go. I'm going to pray before I get started. God, I thank you for bringing us here today. God, I pray that you would touch us that you would keep us, God, that you would strengthen us. Anoint our ears to hear your word, God. Anoint me, God, as I preach your word. Touch us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. All right. How many of you have gotten stuck focusing on the trial that you're in? I think that that is like a human tendency, that you get stuck where you're like, I'm, I'm facing this trial, so I'm stuck in it, and I, I, I just, I, my, my attention is stuck on that trial. I could talk a little bit about the crazy thing that happened this weekend my wife had walked off, right? Okay, she walks off uh, to go to Panda Express, which I didn't know she was going there. I went to this other place, and Ashley was going there too, and um, we were going to eat, and Rochelle just kept walking. The last thing I remembered was her walking straight towards the middle of the mall, and there's other restaurants that were over in that direction, so I didn't know if she was going to look, and there was a juice place, and I don't know if she was going to go get a drink or whatever, but a few minutes into placing my order, not even, like, <laughs> I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, we hear people screaming and running, and you hear some pops, and it was, like, cups being slapped on the floor, but people were dropping and, like, putting their kids down and, like, getting under tables and everything like that. I was, I was, I was freaking out. <laughs> but the last thing I remember was that my wife was at the, was going that direction, so the direction I go is the, what, the direction of the chaos because that's where my wife was. The only thing I could think of is, and I felt so helpless in this moment, was I've got to protect my wife. That's the only thing that crossed my mind is, what do I do? I've got, to, I've got to protect my wife. I've got to find her. And I yell, Ashley, where's Rochelle? And she's like, I don't know. Ashley, Ashley did what good thing. She went to the men's bathroom and hid in the last stall. She, <laughs> she called Rochelle. Rochelle came out of be hiding behind her... Um, her uh, pillar and, and everything, and, uh, and I'm just standing there, like, looking. I'm like, where is everybody? Like, I'm not leaving until I find my wife. <laughs> and 
So I think sometimes when we're in the trial, the only thing that we think about is what can I do? In that moment, I was 100%, what can I do in this moment? Where can I go? What can I do? And I think when we face our trials in our life, they hit us in a moment and we just, we get this, this idea of like, I've got I've to take care of this. I've got to do this. And we completely negate the leaning on God. He's our refuge and strength, right? So I should run to him, right? But a lot of times we get caught up in the chaos. So what does it mean to be an idle Christian? So if you go on and you continue to read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, I would encourage you to do so, um, you will find that it talks about being idle Christians. But I'll give you a warning. These scriptures stepped on my toes. So they may step on your toes a little bit. Um, so proceed with caution, I guess, because it talks about being busy, being a busy body. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> wow, <laughs> getting real serious here with the Thessalonians. Um, uh, so in this here, what makes an idle Christian? Well, here's, here's some thoughts that I have. What makes an idle Christian? It's a Christian who is comfortable with where they're at. You know what? Like we come to church and we're like, this is, this is what a relationship with God looks like. I come. I have a seat, we sing a couple songs, I listen to someone preach, and this is what I have boiled down a relationship with God with. We come to church one day out of seven days, we try and have a relationship with God on that day, and then we're like, we, 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 we stop. Like, God's like, I wanna commune with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, but Sunday is the only day that we schedule in time for God. I don't think that that is how we should be, but that's an idle Christian. I don't want to be an idle Christian. And so one of the things that causes us to be idle is to forget where God brought us. And if you know me, I like to bring in stories of life and things that happen. So last week we went to Burger King and great time, had a fun time with a few people and I went up to go get our food and we had been waiting a while. It was busy and they were, you know, short staffed and... I get up there, and this guy, he's so mad at the staff there, and he's like yelling and, and everything and cussing and all the good stuff, you know? <laughs> and so uh, I was just like, man, guy's just a jerk. And you know what? Like, I can tell you this. I didn't know him. And uh, I'm generally like I keep my mouth shut kind of person. But for whatever reason, he turned around and he had a cross around his neck. And I'm standing there like this, and I'm like, I was like, I like the attitude with the cross. I think it goes together real well. <laughs> and I'm like, my God, why did I just say that? My heart rate spikes. Like, I went back and looked at my, my, my heart watch, and I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> I remember standing there like, oh, man, this guy's going to deck me. I can read it in the news. Pastor is in jail because he punched a person back. <laughs> Running his mouth. Oh, why did I say that? And the guy goes, I went to church this morning. And I was like, yeah. He's like, did you? And I was like, yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> I pastor a church. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I was like, man, you don't need to apologize to me. And we ended up having this, like, really good conversation, which, like, really surprised me because I thought the guy was just going to explode on me. Um, but we ended up having this conversation. He was like, I'm going to apologize to the staff. I was like, that's good. I was like, we got to remember God's given us grace, so we've got to give others grace, you know, what we've freely given. Like, this was like what's going I can't believe I'm saying this to this guy. Like, I have no idea who it was. And uh, it was ended up being a good conversation. But um, I think sometimes being an idle Christian, we forget the grace that God has given us. We forget where he's brought us from. We forget the, the difficulties that he's brought us through. And so I don't want to be an idle Christian. I want to be a Christian that tells the good news about Jesus Christ. I want to be a Christian that speaks. God loves you. He wants us to repent. He wants us to turn from our ways and follow him. That's the kind of person I want to be. So today we're going to look at three stories, three common stories in the Bible. And this whole series, God, God's Redeeming Rescues, is all about giving you a baseline of understanding all these stories in the Bible. I think they're fun stories. And here's some of them that we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the Red Sea. We're going to talk about the River Jordan. And we're going to talk a little bit about Goliath. Now, Rochelle, if you remember last week, Rochelle talked about Goliath. 
And she even said, like, Zach may say some other things. Because there's a part in the story that I feel like a lot of people brush over. So I like to focus on these stories because they give context and, and help us understand what God is doing in our life, in our world today, and for us to know that he's the same God as he was then, he is today. He was a delivering God then, he's a delivering God today. And I'm thankful that I serve the God that could bring the children of Israel out of bondage. So that brings us to Exodus chapter 14. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of, I can't say this word, Pihahiroth. <laughs> My sister was like, it's okay. Nobody really reads uh, Hebrew words anymore. And I was like, yeah, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> uh, funny, stupid joke. <laughs> uh, turn back in front of uh, that place uh, between Migdal and the sea. And you must camp in front of Baal-Zephon, facing it by the sea. Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they were wandering around the land in confusion that the wilderness has boxed them in. So I'm going to stop right there before I go into verse 4. I think it's kind of cool here. God's plan was to make Pharaoh think that they were confused, that they had followed the wrong directions. It's like all the guys in the car, and you missed that turn um, that you were supposed to take, and you're like, you, you, <laughs> you look confused at that point. And when your wife was like, do you need directions? You're like, no, I've got it. Google tells you, hey, turn this way. And you're like, no, I'm good. I know the way I'm actually going. <laughs> and we look confused, but we are going to put a show on. Trust me, I'm not confused, honey. I wanted to go and see something down this road. <laughs> it's going to be for a purpose. <laughs> but, we, but, but this was God's plan here. He was wanting, them to, he was wanting uh, Pharaoh to look at the Israelites and be like, look at these crazy people. They don't even know how to get out of here. They don't even, they were, that was a terrible plan. Like they just left. They were, God was bringing them out of bondage, but God had a plan. In verse four, it says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. What God? What? You mean you're going to put them in this place and go make Pharaoh think they're confused so that he pursues them. Then I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh. And all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Now, that's that last line there that just like, what? I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh. What the enemy meant for evil, God has turned it for good. Pharaoh was coming to kill, but God delivered. And God gets glory so that the Egyptians would know that he is Lord. So they're in an impossible situation and the place of impossible is where God does his greatest work because it's in that moment where I feel like I can't take another step forward because the Red Sea is right there in front of me. I can't take another step of faith because all it is is a raging ocean in front of me. So the place of impossible is where God can do his greatest work. So when you're facing something impossible, you've got to remind yourself of the goodness of God. If he can deliver then, he can deliver today. I promise God will step in and he can help you in your situation. You've got to remind yourself, this is where God can do his greatest work. In that situation in your life, I've got to keep trusting him. I've got to keep holding on. I can't let go of what God has. I've got to keep holding on. So what if you've lost faith? Maybe you have been in a situation for a long time and you've been facing a trial and you've been facing this, this situation in your life and you just can't figure out how to get out of it. Let's look at verse 12 and see what, they, what it says. It says, isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Just think about that for a moment. The children of Israel, God had freed them. They had seen the miracles of God. They saw all the plagues. They saw all the things happen, that God was on their side. And now here in this portion, 
They're like, it would have been better for us to serve in slavery, to be in bondage than to die in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but I would rather die in my freedom than die bound in slavery. I don't know, I'd rather die as a free man than someone who was bound. So I'm gonna serve God because I know his deliverance is greater than anything that's back in Egypt. So what was the instruction and word of comfort that was given by Moses? Now, a lot of us, I think sometimes are like, oh, I just need a word. I need someone to give me a word. Here we go, this is what Moses says. He says, but Moses said to the people, verse 13, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you must be quiet. Like underline that in your Bible and you must be quiet. So what is an idle Christian? I think sometimes we'd, we'd, we would... Uh, Maybe characterize an idle Christian as someone who's just standing still and being quiet, right? Like, Zach, isn't that what you were saying earlier? No, no. When you're facing a trial and a situation, sometimes it's like, okay, God, it's time for you to show up. It's your job now. There is a job that you have as a Christian, and sometimes that job will be to stand still, close your mouth, and listen to what God has. There have been so many times in my life, in the darkest places of my life, when I was trying to figure out how to get out, I would rather be bound. I was just, I feel like sometimes like I really relate to Israel like, and, and what they went through, like, I'm like, I would have been better in bondage. Like, I'd rather die there than, than here. And the reality is, is like, I just need to be quiet and stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to reason everything and let God work his glory in your life. So they had to endure some wind. Now, I think about this, and I, I liken it to, like, life. How many of you feel the wind just beating you in the face. Man, you get the wind burned, your lips are chapped, and you look terrible. You lick your lips, and they, they feel good for a second, and then they, they dry out, and then you have these the big red lips. I don't know if anyone else has that problem, but sometimes in the winter, I can't stop licking my lips. <laughs> oh, man, it's the worst thing ever, and I got these lips over here that just... It's the worst, okay? So I think about this, like I think about that in life. What, what is it when, when the enemy comes in and he's hitting you with the wind and everything? Look at verse 21. It says... Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land so that the waters were divided. It didn't happen instantly. All through the night, they had to endure the wind. All through the night, they had to endure the fear of the, 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 that Egypt was coming to attack them. Their bondage was coming to put them back in bondage. Sometimes we are trying to escape our addictions. We're trying to escape all these things in our life. And we look back over our shoulder and it's chasing us. It's right behind us. Those struggles and those trials that we've been through, it just seems like they're chasing us and we can't shake it from our life. But the reality is, is we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Stop looking back. Amen. You look at Lot's wife. That's a good example of why we don't want to look back. <laughs> You're going to get yourself in. That's the wrong direction. You are not going that direction. Follow Jesus. Pursue him. So this brings us to Exodus 15. Exodus 15. Okay, so they get through on dry ground. We read that. Okay, that's the cool part. Now, this next part here gives us some examples of things that we should do. Exodus 15, verse 20. Um, verse 20 of 15 details a little bit more about what happened. It says in verse 20, it says, Then the prophetess Miriam, Aaron's wife, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women came out following her with the tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang, them, Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. So there are two appropriate methods that we see for us as Christians here in this passage. We see that when a trial starts out and we have lost heart, we are to keep looking to God, who's the author and finisher of our faith. Not looking to ourselves, not looking to our own understanding, but to continue to look to God even when it doesn't make sense. We stand still and we listen for God. When the trial gets to the point where I can't do anything else, then it's God's opportunity to step in, but I have got to let him step in. He does not force his way into your situation. You've got to let him do that. So 
When the trial has completed, here's the next thing. We give God glory for what he's done. She comes out singing with a tambourine. Child, I don't believe in tambourines. <laughs> I say that for my grandma. She's like, we need a tambourine. I was like, no, we don't. <laughs> oh, no, I love a good tambourine player. It plays it good. <laughs> but I've been in places, man. They get that tambourine going, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You're playing an entirely different thing over there. <laughs> playing to the beat of my own drum. <laughs> I'm like, the drummer can play it. <laughs> so there is something here to be said, though, that when, when we face a trial, when we come out of that trial, we should worship God. We should give God glory. That can even look like clapping your hands. It can look like lifting your hands. Sometimes it can look, you've got to give, give God a little jump. Um, David said when he's the lowest, he takes a leap for joy. Whenever he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back, he, every seven steps he would worship God. They would break down and worship. And then his wife got mad at him because he came into the city and he was worshiping. And it says that he was naked, but like it's not literal naked as in the naked of our sense. So don't think you should come to church naked to worship God. That is not what I'm talking about today. That was a joke. You can laugh. <laughs> uh, David did not dance literal naked. He had his undergarments on, you know. So he was, he was not, you know, streaking or anything like that that you were thinking about in your mind there. Like, oh, my gosh, what is Zach talking about? Ridiculous. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about this next crossing. We're going to talk about the River Jordan. And this is the Israelites. We're going to talk about some differences between the Red Sea crossing and the, um, the Jordan crossing. So there's a whole big story in the middle of these stories. I'm not going to tell you the whole story because, like, I've already talked about some of it. You've got Rahab in there. You've got, um, you know, you've got uh, the, uh, when the 12 spies went into the promised land and they were like, 10 of them were like, no, we can't do this. And Joshua and Caleb were like, let's do this. And everyone else in the, was like, no, we can't do this. And they wandered the desert for 40 years. That's the fill-in. So that's like all that happens. And now we're at Joshua Chapter 5, which means Joshua is the one that, you know, said, Let's, we can do this if God's for us. So Joshua 5 and verse 5, it says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. A lot of us are like, tomorrow is not good enough. I need it today. How many of you were like, God, I'm on a timeline. Like I needed you yesterday. So tomorrow is not good enough. The thing that I have to remember as a Christian, that I am not operating on my timeline. I am operating on God's timeline. So Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders tomorrow. You are going to have to learn to consecrate yourself today to see victory tomorrow. Your consecration is getting you ready for the victory that you're about to see your consecration today, your devotion to God is getting you ready for what he wants to do in your life. But it's not going to happen today. It's going to happen tomorrow. But the consecration takes place today. So it shows us there was a level of obedience that had to happen here in this story. So I love the faith of Joshua and, and all this. Consecrate yourselves because tomorrow you're going to see God's goodness. We want to see it a lot of times today, but in this story, it's tomorrow. And I think that in our, in our lives, in our personal story, we can find that we see God operate the next day. When I consecrate my life, it's the next. It's not when I wanted it, but it's when he deemed it as the right time. So how is the crossing similar to the Red Sea? Well, verse 8, um, it says, Command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. So it's a little different. Moses stretched out his rod. The wind blew overnight. This one was going to be more instant. But they had to consecrate first. So here in this passage, they're to stand in the Jordan. And it sounds like, in my mind, if they're to stand in the Jordan, that they might get wet with those instructions. When God gives instructions for our lives, sometimes it might require us to get wet in a dirty river. So one thing that's interesting about this river at this time, the Jordan River was overflowing its banks. So drive around out in the countryside a little bit right now. 
And you can see you know, the Red River. You can see um, you know, rice, wild rice river and all those things. And they're like overflowing their banks. That's kind of like what the Jordan was doing at this time. It was overflowing its banks. And he was like, I want you to go stand in the middle. How many of us in that moment would be like, God, I know that you're all-knowing. I know that you can see everything. You're everywhere all the time. But um, did you happen to look at this, like, this specific instruction? You want me to stand in the Jordan River? Right now, we'd be like, God, it's cold outside. God, God it's too deep. God, there's still ice chunks floating down the river. Like, are you sure that that was the plan? Can we wait till summer? Like, until the river has lowered a little bit? And God's like, I want you to go stand in the river now. What about the trial you're facing right now? God, God's like, I want you to go stand in the middle of it. What? <laughs> but I'd rather be on the outside of it. I don't want to get in the middle because in the middle there's chaos, it seems like. You see... Yes, there may be chaos all surrounding you, but in the middle of it, in the midst, my focus is on Jesus, nothing else. It's not on the storm that's raging. It's not on the river that's running past me, but it is on God. Yes. So in, uh, in chapter three, it goes on to tell us how the Jordan was overflowing. It's banked and looks dangerous and all this stuff, but the Hebrew word for... Um, to stand in was Ahmad. And it means to stand still or to take a stand. And so the word here that was used was, I want you to take a stand in the Jordan River. Now this makes sense as we go on and we read a few more passages here and we get into the next chapter, but we, the water split in verse 15, and the people crossed through on dry ground, and that's all exciting, and people love that story, but there's more that happens here. Verse 17, it says, the priest carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood firmly on ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Now, in this story, they walk up to the edge, and to me, when I read it, it doesn't sound like they hesitated, but as soon as their feet hit the water, bam, it rolls up, and it just, like, stops. Like, God stops it, like, instantly in this passage that, that we read. And so the priests go, and they stand in the middle on dry ground. What they thought maybe was like, oh, I'm going to have to go stand in the middle of the Jordan, right? I'm going to have to get wet. But God made a way so that in the middle of it, they were protected. In the middle of your trial, you can still be protected. Remember, it goes back to that scripture of the day, 2 Thessalonians. Let's just jump up there and read that. It says, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. I need God to guard me in the middle of the chaos of my life. So, now, we have to jump over here in just a moment to the next chapter, so get ready for that. But verse 17, um, nope, I read that. Here we go. The 12. God instructed there to be 12 people from each tribe. One from each tribe. Now, if you jump over to the next chapter, in verse 3, it says, And command them, take 12 stones from the place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing. Carry them with you and set them down at the place you're standing, where you spend the night. Why? What's the purpose? Why, God, why would you want these 12 men to go pull stones out of the middle of the Jordan River? Because that's where the stand was made. And I started thinking, I think about this. This is probably the place where we maybe forget about here. When we're like, oh yeah, they crossed over on dry ground, that's so cool. I want to cross over on dry ground. But the Israelites are a forgetful people, for sure. Either that or selective hearing, one or the other. I'm not sure which one it is, but they forget all the time. Like, if you read the book of Judges, like, every chapter begins with, like, and they saw, and they did what was right in their own, own eyes, and they began to follow the ways of these people, and all these things. Like, you see, like, they're, they're very forgetful people. I mean, it sounds a lot like me, because... I put the keys down somewhere, and I can't remember where the keys are. My wife, I'm like, where's the lint roller, honey? It should be right here where it always is. But the thing is, is I moved it somewhere else, <laughs> and I forget. So we're all forgetful people, right? So this should, like, really resonate with us. There is a purpose for why these 12 were instructed to pull these stones from the middle. In verse 6, it says, so that this 
will be a sign among you in the future. Why in the future? Why would they need a sign in the future? Why do you need a sign in the future of what God has done? When your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? Whoa, think about this. There is a reason for building a memorial. There is some responsibility as a Christian that I have. Look at this. So, so that this will be a sign among you. What if you just like scratch it? So that this will be a sign in your family. What if you just change this to that? I'm not changing the Bible. I promise you. I'm just making this personal for you. In the future, when your children asks you, what did this story mean to you? What did this victory mean to you? What did this overcoming thing mean to you? What did overcoming addiction mean to you? What did overcoming and getting through the struggles in your mental health crisis, what did that mean to you? Tell me, mom, tell me, dad, what does it mean to you to serve God? If you don't have a memorial in your life, you will forget the goodness of God and you will, you will destine yourself to be a bench-warming Christian. I can't be that. I've got to be passionate about it. And in doing that, I build a memorial of the goodness of God so that when people ask me what did it mean for you when you were when you were healed of cancer or when you went through this story in your life or, or what happened what does it mean to you that, that that God would bring you out of addiction or alcohol out of uh, about a, out of alcoholism what, what what would it be Zach what does it mean to you it means that God still loves it means that God still delivers it means that God cares about me which I know if he could care about me and he could use someone as messed up as me he can use any person in this room I don't care your education background how long you've been a part of the church God can use you but you have got to stand still and see the goodness of God step back and let God step in stop trying to figure it out I need to make a memorial not just so that I remember but from generation to generation it's remembered. I got my grandma sitting here today. I love that. I can look to grandma. I can see the prayer life that she's had. Never give up on your prayer life. Never stop praying. I told her, I might have said this last week. I don't know. We had a talk and I was like, grandma, someone told me they were like, I'm not a prayer warrior anymore. I just want to preach the gospel. And I was like, don't really work that way. I was like, I get home and I was like worked up because someone would say this to me. Grandma, I know you're 82 years old, but don't you ever stop praying. I don't give you permission to do that. I need you to pray for me. <laughs> don't ever stop praying. That is not what we're called to do, to stop praying. We are all called to intercede. We're all called to seek the face of God. Why would the Bible say, humble yourselves and seek God? Then I will hear from heaven and heal your land. I need God to heal my land so I cannot stop praying this is not the day and age to stop your prayer life. This is not the day and age to step back and to say, you know what, I'm comfortable where I'm at. No, it's not. Now is the day that I need to double down. I need to pray more. I need to seek God more. I need to read my, my Bible more. And when I say all those things, I'm not saying you need to do that. I'm talking to me. Like 90% of what I preach is me. I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to seek God more because I can tell you right now, I don't do it enough. I need to do it more. So this next story, almost done. If you were tired or hungry, here we're coming to the end, but maybe this story will just be gruesome for you and you'll be like, I'm not hungry anymore. You can keep preaching. And I'll be like, okay. <laughs> Now, I love the Old Testament stories because, like, they paint, like, this picture. And I'm just like, man, that's so awesome. So this one, this one might be a little bit gruesome. Talking about David here. Now, you all know the story. Who, does anyone not know the story of David and Goliath? David gets up, you know, flings the stone. It's David in the, or Goliath in the head. David's a little guy, wouldn't put on the armor that King Saul had. He goes out there. His brothers are all mad and everything. Why would you do this kid. I don't care about your age. <laughs> God can use you if you're willing. It doesn't matter the age. So here in this story, we get to this part 
the day that Goliath has already slayed the giant, he's laying out there. The Philistines, or I'm sorry, the Israelites are so excited. They're like, whoa, yeah, we won. Ah, <laughs> oh, here comes a dumb joke. <laughs> I thought about this, like, David was the team, team player. He was on the team. He was like, I'm out there. I'm in it. Right, right? Like, <laughs> does anyone have kids in sports in here? Like, is there any kids in sports? Okay, there's a couple kids in sports. Yeah, like, you're like, we won tonight. My kid won. We won. We're with, oh, but I want to pick on Jim now. Jim, like, Vikings and Panthers fan now. You know, like, <laughs> we won. The Vikings won. Like, man, I'll tell you what, Minnesota's going to go insane if the Vikings win a Super Bowl. Shoot, if they just go to the Super Bowl, Minnesota's going to go insane. <laughs> <laughs> but whenever you hear that, whenever you hear someone that's a Vikings fan, you'll, you'll talk about, oh, we did this and we did that. And I'll be like, I didn't see you out there on the field. What you talking about? We did that. I <laughs> went to an NDSU football game one time. I'm not a big sports person, so I don't really know what I'm talking about when I get to this point. Like, and they were like, man, I can't believe how good we did today. And I was like, man, you were sitting right next to me the entire game. I don't think we did anything. <laughs> But the Israelites, they're like, they're watching David. He gets out there, he slays the giant. And they're like, whoa, let's go pursue the Philistines. Man, modern day sports, it like reflects, you know, what David and Goliath did. Like one guy out there wins the thing and everybody's like, yeah, we won. <laughs> let's go pursue the Philistines. Now we can do it. We're confident. One person stepped up and did it. <laughs> oh, man, it's okay. If you like sports, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not bashing you. Like, it's just, it's just funny. Like, David's like, bam, he does it. He follows God. And everybody else now gets to enjoy the victory. I say this in that there are going to be some victories that you have in your life that other people get to enjoy with you because of your faith in God. Because you stepped out, now your family is going to be like, hey, let's go. Even though they didn't play a part in it. They didn't, they didn't spend a minute in prayer. They didn't spend a minute reading their Bible. They're like, let's go. I'm excited for Jesus. I think that's the problem with a lot of people like in church. It's like, we're like, oh, I've been doing this for 40 years. <sighs> you need to listen to everything I say. And you know what? Like, I agree. Like, I'll listen to people. I do. I let other people speak into my life. But my goodness, like, I ain't going to stop a person from getting excited. I need some Davids in this church. I need someone when everybody else is hiding behind the rock. I need a David to say, where is Goliath? What, is there not a cause for me to fight? I am totally off on my notes. I just got excited. Haven't even read the verses I was going to read. But I wanted you to know the story in between. I just get excited about those things. Sorry. Here we go. Verse 53 of 1 Samuel 17. Verse 53 and 54, it says, when the Israelites returned from the pursuit of the Philistines, they plundered their camp. They went and took all the goodies that they could find. They were like, let's take all of it. In verse, verse 54, it says, David took Goliath's head and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put Goliath's weapon in his own tent. Now, if you read the story, you will know that David picked up Goliath's sword and cut off Goliath's head. Now, I think there is like nothing more like humiliating than to have your head cut off by your own sword. Like, now Rochelle got into it and she told some other things and, and, and stuff. And the, this is the part that I want to focus on. It's like David picked up Goliath's head and took it to Jerusalem. You know, that's really significant. You may not realize this, but this is like, the, like nobody talks about this part right here because like it doesn't make, maybe it doesn't make sense. Or maybe it's like, Ah, uh, I don't really, it's gross. Like, I mean, when you paint the picture in your head, come on, I mean, like, you pick up Goliath by the hair, you know, like. <laughs> it's kind of gross, and people are like, ah. Oh. They didn't make that part onto the flannel graph that I talked about, you know. Like, I was like, man, again, as a kid, I wanted a flannel. I wish I could have a flannel graph, but you can't have that flannel graph. People in here be like, oof, what did he do? <laughs> you can't flannel graph this part of the story, but... If you jump to 2 Samuel chapter 5, I'm not going to read anything, but if you jump there, it depicts David moving the kingdom of Israel. Now, why would he move the kingdom of Israel? Like, I've just, in my mind, like, I didn't realize the significance of carrying the head of Goliath to Jerusalem. The significance here is, I believe, 
David was just sending a message to the occupants of Jerusalem. And the occupants were the Jebusites who were cursed and a wicked people who were occupying the land. And in Deuteronomy chapter 20, God says he cannot stand their pagan worship. It, it, he is abhorred by the way that they're living, the child sacrifice and all these things, the way that they're living, I, I abhorred God and their, and, his pagan, and their pagan practices. Their worship was abominable, is what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 20. That was talking about the Jebusites, the people who were in Jerusalem at the time. Now, if you remember when Abraham went and sacrificed or went to go sacrifice his son and God provided the sacrifice, right? That was Mount Moriah is where the Temple Mount currently is. So there was significance to the children of Israel of being in Jerusalem. David took Goliath's head and it was a memorial not for the people of Israel. It wasn't a memorial for David, but it was a memorial to let the enemy know that he was coming to possess the promise that God had because that land was promised from generations ago. From Abraham, it was promised that they would inhabit that land. And, and David was saying, hey, just so you know, Jebusites, I'm coming back for my promise that God has. And so sometimes the memorial that you build isn't for someone else to remember, isn't for your family. It is so that the enemy looks at it and knows that you're coming for the promise that God has in your life. I need people that will step up and say, you know what, I'm going to build a memorial. And it isn't for me, but it's so that the enemy, when he looks at it, he knows that I'm coming for the promise that he's took. I'm coming for the joy that he stole from me. I'm coming for the peace that he took from me. I need my victory. I want to be an active Christian. I want to be a Christian that lets hell know I'm not okay with you messing with me. Man, I don't know if you guys ever listened to Carmen. <laughs> Man, there's these songs that he would sing. They were like story songs. And I was just like, my childhood is like summed up by Carmen. Yeah. You know, like um, Satan bite the dust. Carmen. Man, he was so cool. Cowboy boots. <laughs> I got a weapon. Two boys. I'm tired of you in my church. I'm tired of you in my family. <laughs> man, Carmen was a, he was a good guy. Man, man, he was a good guy. I liked him. <laughs> I preached some of them songs. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I could just sing like he could. <laughs> but you know what? Like in that, I, I remember the song Satan by the dust. And he was like, I'm tired of you in my church. I'm tired of you in my family. Man, I'm like, I'm tired of you in the schools. I'm tired of you in this city. I'm tired of you messing with these people's lives. I'm tired of you. Like, I'm sick and tired of it. And there's got to come a point when I get a desperation that I am sick and tired of hiding behind the rock. I have got to go where God wants me to be. I have got to fight. I've got to pursue. I can't stay comfortable. So what do we take from this story? The memorial that you're placing may very well just be the reminder that the enemy, you are actually coming for your promise. Because I think what the devil does is he likes to sell you this idea that you are going to stay where you're at. That you're not going anywhere further. The Red Sea is too great. The River Jordan is too wild. It's too great for you. You can't cross this. You can't, you're going to get dirty. You're going to get wet if you, get in, if you go stand in the middle. You can't do that. You get done, you look at the promise, and you see the enemy dwelling in your promise. You see the enemy living where God has promised you. So, when we get to the other side, we've got to remind ourselves of the goodness. Our focus scripture talks about a command. As a Christian, we may have moments that we stand still, but we are actively seeking God, just like in these stories. But on the other side, I've got to remind myself of the goodness of God. Don't become an idle Christian. Remind yourself that God is on your side, and no matter the trial you face, I can see his goodness. Idle Christians come when we forget his goodness. That's when we become idle. Take that next step. How will I respond? I'm going to actively seek God. 
Your addiction, your health, your state of mind is not you. It is something that has attacked you. I believe that there's deliverance in Jesus' name. I believe that God still breaks the bonds of sin. I still believe that God breaks the, the bonds of addiction. I still believe that God delivers the lame man. I still believe that God delivers the sick. I still believe it, that he is faithful and just. Put your faith in God, even when the storm rages, the Red Sea, the wind just beating him all night long. Put your faith in him. God, God, I know you've got this. I don't, I'm getting beat up right now by the wind, but God, I put my faith in you. Do what God has called you to do. Let your faith be a reminder to the enemy that I'm coming for the promise that he's stolen from me. You may have forgotten the promises that God has given you. You, you may have forgotten the goodness of God in your life. You may have forgotten what he has done in your life. But I want to call to your remembrance. Why don't you just for a moment right now, why don't you close your eyes with your head bowed? Why don't you begin to think right now about where God has brought you from? What God has done in you and through you. And think about his goodness. The same God back then is the same God today. God, I thank you for your goodness. And as you think of that, as you think of that past in your life that he's delivered you from, I want you to begin to think about where he's taking you to. He's not going to bring you out of Egypt, out of bondage, and leave you at the edge of the Red Sea so that Egypt can come and kill you. He is going to deliver away because he is a God that protects a God that saves us. So when you are standing there and it seems like there's no place to go and you're on death ground, why don't you look to the author and finish of your faith? God, where are you taking me? God, I pray right now that you would move in this place, God. God, that we would reclaim the joy that you have for us, the love you have for us, the peace, God, that has been stolen by the enemy, God. God, we pray right now that you would move in every heart and every life in Jesus' name. If you feel comfortable and you want to step out in faith, you're tired of being where you're at right now and you want to come up here and be prayed with, I want to invite every person in here. I want to pray with every person that's willing because I believe that God can step into your situation. I don't have to know what it is. I don't have to know what you're going through, but God does.
don't you hear this part of this song? You are the same God. You are the same God. You deliver. You answer prayers. He's still answering prayers today. Hallelujah. You are the same God. He's the same God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God today. He was providing back then. He provided the manna for them. He provided that their shoes would never fade, that they would continue to walk. Even though they had rebelled against him, God was still providing for them. Even though he had rejected him, God was providing all through that time. Even though that they had rejected and turned away from the promise, God was making provision for his people. God is making provision for you. You may feel like you're in the wilderness of the desert right now, but God is making provision for you. Turn your heart to God. Never turn away. God, I'm going to pursue you. God, I'm going to follow you. God, we worship you. You are a Savior now. Hallelujah. He is the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. God, I worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I worship you. you cannot even imagine for you all are perfectly 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 loved just as you are and I shall deliver you it was not hard for the Lord your God to part the Red Sea it is an easy thing for the Lord your God to deliver you from everything the enemy has put upon you. I speak and deliver you. I touch you and healing appears. Oh, I wrap my arms around you and you know salvation, says the Lord your God. Can we just worship God right now? Let's put our hands together right now and just give God. God, we thank you, God. We worship you, Jesus. God, I magnify you. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I worship you. I want to say something before we move forward, before I dismiss. I want to go into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware you know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. 
To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. One the same, one and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. Absolutely believe that God still speaks to his church today. And if you are wondering what was just taking place, I believe that God was speaking to us. I believe there's nothing that was said that goes against God's word there. So we can judge what is said. And we want to make sure that when things take place, we give God glory for what happens. It's not an individual. It's not a person. We give God glory. So I'm going to ask you right now, let's just give God glory to thank him for his presence. God, we thank you, God, for the presence, God, that we feel in this place. God, we worship you. We magnify you, God. We worship you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe that God is still moving and working. Whatever you need, you don't have to leave the same as you walked in here. God, we thank you for meeting us here today, God. God, I thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for everything that you're doing, God. I pray that you would touch us, that you'd move in a mighty way in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Next week, I got a special speaker that's going to come. It's going to be my sister. <laughs> she's got a couple stories that she's going to share in this, in this series. And then here pretty soon, we're going to start transitioning into some of the New Testament stories. So if you're like, I don't really like the blood dripping from Goliath's head stories, like, well, don't worry. They're good stories, but we're going we're gonna to move to the New Testament too. So we got some other stories we're going to do here. Thank you for being here. Shake someone's hand. Give someone a high five. Tell them you're glad to see them. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>